Galatians chapter 3 I know your deeds that you are neither cold nor hot I wish you were either one or the other so because you are lukewarm neither hot nor cold I am about to spit you out of my mouth I am about to spit you out of my mouth you say I am rich I have acquired wealth and do not need anything but you do not realize that you are wretched pitiful poor blind and naked i counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see to whom those whom i love i rebuke and discipline so be honest and repent here i am i stand at the door and knock if anyone hears my voice and opens the door i will come in and eat with him and he with me <clears throat> to him who overcomes i will give the right i will give the right to sit with me on my throne just as i overcame and sat down with my father on his throne amen namhlanje kajeko we want to focus on another prison epistle e kajeko re tlo lebella lengwalo le leng la la kwa kgolego the book of colossians e book ya ba kolosi we want to just find a few things there and see how they relate to us today and hopefully see how they can lead us to a holy and perfect life in 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 our christianity Paul worked with Epaphras in Ephesus. Paul one adirali Epaphras ko Ephesi. Epaphras was from Colossae. Epaphras natswa ko Colossi. A city about 160 kilometers from Ephesus. Eh eh toropo ya 160 e go tswa ko Ephesus. After working with Paul in Ephesus, mora khafetsa dirali le Paul ko 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 Ephesus. 
Epaphras returned home and preached the gospel in Colossae and two other cities. Epaphras This was La- Laodicea and Hierapolis. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's important that I mention these two places because we're going to talk about them at the end. Epaphras was later arrested and brought to Rome where he met Paul and updated him about the churches in Colossae and the two other cities. And as a result of that account, that is why now Paul is writing this letter to Colossians. Paul himself had never met them, but his colleague had founded these churches and preached in these churches. And Paul was aware of the authority that he had over the church. He was aware of the respect that they gave to him. Colossians were mostly Gentiles. At the time of Paul's writing, it was a relatively young church and was under influence from different teachings that were outside the gospel of Christ. But they were standing up as though they were the gospel. Colossians were feeling very inadequate in their Christian walk. And, and they wanted to become more Christian. Like how the other people appeared in front of them. You know, have you ever been Christian? You know you are Christian. You know you are born again. You love the Lord. You go to church. And then you meet these other Christians who speak super Christianity. Who do certain things that just sound so powerful. You know you are born again. But you look at them and you think they are super born again. And you want to be super born again like that. Their teachings sound very clever. Their practices just seem very Christian more than yours. You may not look at yourself and see any sinful behavior. But you look at them and you see more Christian behavior than yours. So that is the position the Colossians found themselves in. And Paul sees the danger because he sees that these things these people are doing and believing look very Christian look very spiritual but Paul knows that they are in error 
And he wants to reassure them that what you have, the Christ in you, is much bigger and much better than these shiny gospels that you want to become. Hallelujah. So I want to highlight three things that Paul talks about. It's a very short book. It's a very short uh, epistle. But it goes through different, many different things that I think are very important for us today. In, the, in chapter 2, verse 4, verse 8 until verse 10. Chapter 2, verse 8 to verse 10. Chapter 2, verse 4. Chapter 2, verse 4. And then chapter 2, verse 8 until verse 10. And chapter 2, verse 8 to 10. Paul deals with Greek philosophy in those verses. Greek philosophy was an appeal to your mind and your intellect. So their gospel was the gospel of the clevers of the day. When you listen to them speak, you really find yourself stupid. Because these guys were very intelligent. Maybe that is why even today we appeal to Greek terminology when we interpret the Bible and want to appear clever. In addition to being clever, and appealing to being clever. They also had many gods that they worshipped. And these teachings and the practices of these gods were a great challenge to different churches in the biblical times. Paul says, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy. So Paul takes these clevers and their teachings and in chapter 2 verse 8 chapter 2 verse 8 he refers to this cleverness of the world as hollow and deceptive philosophy. He's, he says there is nothing to it. They are deceptive. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And he says, do not, be, do not be amazed by the clevers of this day. Do not be taken away from Christ by these clever people. Who know how to stand in front of you with boldness and cleverness. And try to appeal to you and to make you feel small. And he says in verse 4, I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by these fine sounding arguments. So Paul is not saying they are not clever. Paul is not saying they are not sounding very well. 
Jesus, do not be held captive. Do not find yourself being slaves again. After Christ has set you free. And how are they supposed to do that? How are they supposed to, 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 to stay away from being kept captive by these clever people? When chapter 2, verse 2 to 3. chapter 2, verse 2 to 3. He says, my purpose. In other words, the reason I'm writing to you. And I'm telling you to be careful of these clever people. He says, my purpose. Is that you may be encouraged in heart. And united in love. So that you. May have the full riches. Of complete understanding. In other words. I see the cleverness that they have. Which he talks about in verse, in, in verse 4. But he says, I want you to have full riches of complete understanding. In order that you may know the mystery of God. Namely, Christ. The mystery of God, namely Christ. In whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In other words, Paul says they may come with clever philosophies. But I want you to know that the full riches of complete understanding are full are already in the hidden in the hidden wisdom that is Christ in you. You, you already have cleverness. You do not need to be more clever than you are. You do, need, you do not need to be made to feel stupid by these clever Greeks. You already have wisdom. And that is in the Christ that is in you. In, in, in verse 6 to verse 7, chapter 2. Verse 6 to, to 7, chapter 2. He says, so then... Just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him. How are you supposed to counteract the Greek philosophers? He says, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him. That is how you change the, the, the dynamics. Continue to live in Christ. Rooted and built up in him. Strengthened in the faith 
as you were taught and overflowing in thankfulness. In other words, you need not be more clever than Jesus. Because Jesus is the top end of wisdom. He is the top end of knowledge. And he is already in you. You have received him. Now you need to live in him. And that's all you need. Hallelujah. In chapter 2, verse 11 to verse 17. Chapter 2, verse 11 to 7 to 11. 11 to 17. 11 to 17. Paul deals with Jewish legalism. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's another teaching that was that was quite up in those days. He says circumcision new moon festivals festival other religious festivals Dietary restrictions. Sabbath. He says all of them have no bearing in Christianity. You'll remember in other churches they were being told that you will not be born again until you get circumcised. They even pressurized Christ to say, why are your disciples doing all these things on Sabbath? Why are you not observing Sabbath? Jews had many rules and restrictions around what you can and you cannot eat. And they wanted to impose these things on Christianity. And Paul says to the, to, to, to the church in Colossae, he says, these Ah, a shadow. Hallelujah. In verse 17, Paul takes all these things that the Jews want to impose on the Christianity. He says, all of these things combined. I a shadow. He's not saying the Sabbath is a shadow and this one is a shadow and these things are shadows. He says, oh, he says they're not shadows. He says they are a shadow. All of them combined are just a shadow. But the reality is found in Christ. Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You will notice what he did with the Greek philosophers. And you notice what he does with Jewish, with Jewish legalism. He shows them to be something less than the Jesus Christ that is already in them. He says when you aspire to be these things, when you try to become these things, you are robbing yourselves. 
you are going after things that are much lower than the Christ in you. He Christ above the things that they, they desire for. And he says that, that Christ who is superior is already found in you. Just you walk in him. When you have Christ, you have something better than what legalism is offering you. Lastly, Paul deals with Eastern, I'm going to have to take a pause here and pronounce this word properly. Eastern mysticism. I don't understand, Sona, but I think that's correct. I don't know, Sona, but I think that's correct. The spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. These were things around false humility, or at least what Paul refers to them as false humility and worship of angels. Yes. I was waiting for that word. I know that word. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In verse 18, he says, do not let anyone uh, who delights in false humility and worship of angels disqualify you from the prize. So as much as the Christians in Colossae are trying to or are feeling influenced to try and follow these words of these ways of Eastern mysticism, Paul, Paul says if you follow those things, if you allow that influence to come in, you will disqualify yourselves of the price that you already have in Christ. Again, he's saying these people are deceiving you away from Christ. And they're offering you something shiny something that is appealing but it is far worse than the Christ that you already have. Now I'm going to try and define what Eastern mysticism is. Because I want you to see how they still influence our church today. It is a vague, ill-defined belief that, among other things, believes that union with deity in other words, being one or being, being united with some spiritual and heavenly beings or spiritual apprehension of knowledge that is inaccessible to intellect. 
Spiritual apprehension of knowledge that is inaccessible to intellect may be attained through contemplation and self-surrender. Now, now that already sounds like I'm going to blow your mind. Right? I'm going to blow it, your mind. It, it already sounds like wow. Umfundi siwam is powerful. And that's exactly what Paul is talking about. Paul is so, 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 so the Eastern mysticism, among other things, and I'm going to explain it in our today's term. It was it was teachings like you know there are certain hidden treasures. There are certain things in Christ that you will not understand. There are certain things that God has revealed to me. And when I start preaching certain things and you don't understand, I tell you that no, you need to grow up. You need to fast. These are the kind of, te- of teachings that say when I was taken up in the spirit and I was one with Christ, I saw angels and two, three. And, and it appears that you can actually reach that you must sit in Christ. You must sit in a quiet place. That is what contemplation talks about. That is what it alludes to. And it also talks about self-surrender. You must always live in a certain place that is filled with the Holy Spirit. You must live with, with people that are in the Spirit. You must be in an environment where you give yourself up. You give, your, you give all the other things of the pleasures of the world. You live in the pastor's house. And all your riches must be in heaven. And by heaven we mean bring them to me, man of God. In, in chapter 2, verse 23, chapter 2, verse 23, Paul summarizes all of them as having an appearance of wisdom but they lack any value. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's what Paul says about them. Paul says in, verse, in verse 23. He says they've got an appearance. You look at these men of God. You look at these churches. You look at these people in front of you. You look at us and you think, wow, I want to be like that. I want to be like him. But, but, but Paul says they have an appearance of wisdom. They sound clever. They sound like you want to be like that. But they lack any value. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So what shall we say in these matters? I just want to give you two or three things. That Paul helps us to reply to all these things. How do we overcome all these other powers and teachings? How do we stay true to Christ? Paul's reply to all of this 
is to set Christ above it all. In chapter 1, verse 15 to verse 23, uh, chapter 1, verse 15 to 23, he reminds the church that this is the gospel that they heard. And the gospel is very simple. Christ is the image of the invisible God. All things are created by him and for him. Whether they want to believe it or not. All things are created by him and for him. He is above all things. And he holds all things together. He is the resurrected Christ. And number six, we are, re- we are all reconciled to God to God through Christ. Only through Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He is the supreme he is the image of the invisible God. I just want to read this. And I want you to put emphasis every time we read the word all. Let me just go go through it. He is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn over all creation, by him all things were created and things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from the dead. He is in everything, he might, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Paul says he is above all. He is above all teachings. And we must remember that. Whenever we find other teachings more appealing, we must remember that we have got the best of God in Christ and Christ in us. The second thing he says in chapter 3, Paul says, since we have been raised with Christ, let us set our hearts in Christ. You want to defeat all these other things? You want to stay in Christ in all that and not be led astray by other beliefs and other teachings? Set your heart in Christ who is above 
where our lives are now hidden with Christ in God. We are going to read chapter 3. Verse 5 to verse 15. I am going to read. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways, in the life you once lived. But now, you must rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other. Do not lie to each other. Since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here, there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. But Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Bear with one another and forgive whatever grievance you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all, the, and over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you Hallelujah. lifestyle changes. And that, is God, and that is Paul's appeal to you. And that is Paul's appeal to us. That when we live a life that seeks to glorify the devil, we nullify the work of the cross. We nail Jesus on the cross again. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And that and Paul says, for you to walk in, to, to walk in Christ. And for you to be rooted in Christ, you need to live like this. And that is how you become powerful Christians. Not by being clever, not by being mysterious, not by being uh, very legalistic, but by living a changed life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. About 30 years later, Paul writes the book of Colossae around 
John finds himself in the island of Patmos. Which is on the coast of Ephesus. Around 100 kilometers into the sea. Here he receives the words of Christ to the church of Laodicea. You will remember that in Colossians chapter 4 verse 16 Paul tells us that this letter was to be sent to Laodicea and be read in there as well. And the church of Laodicea was also meant to be warned in, in, with the same letter of Colossians. Paul wanted the church of Laodicea to also be rooted in and only in Christ. To the church of Laodicea. And these are the words that I hope that Christ will not repeat to us after today. Revelation chapter 3 verse 15. And that you are neither cold nor hot. So because you are lukewarm, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. I am about to spit you out of my mouth. You say I am rich. I have acquired wealth. And do not need anything. You have appealed to the things of God. But you do not realize that you are rest, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I cancel you. I advise you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich and white clothes to wear so to buy from me white clothes to wear 
so you can cover your shameful nakedness. There's no need to tell you that this book has got lots of um, examples that it puts. So when you talk of white clothes, we're talking about purity and holiness that you must clothe yourself in so that you're not naked. I don't need to tell you that you are a well-taught church. And salve or ointment to put to your eyes. And ointment to put on your eyes. So that you can see. Christ says, buy these things from me so that you can become rich for real and be clothed for real and be able to see for real. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. In other words, I am warning you of these things because I love you. So be honest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door of their heart, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, the one who overcomes all these teachings that are appealing to you, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne. Just as I overcame and sat down with my father, on his throne. God bless you.